the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Forecast calling for a clear evening, a low of 70, still dealing with some of the wind and rain in spots. Got sunshine happening at WFIL's studios, though, so that's a nice turn of events. A lot of sun expected for tomorrow and a high of 88. Phil's lost 6-3 to the Yankees last night. They're off tonight. The game postponed in advance due to the anticipated bad weather. Instead, the uh, Phillies and Yankees will play a couple of games tomorrow in Philadelphia. I believe the Yankees are the home team for the opener. And then the Phillies will be the home team for the nightcap 405 start. If I have my facts straight for game one, that's tomorrow. Then they also play one more game on Thursday. Sixers 132-130 over San Antonio last night. Joel Embiid 27 points. Tobias Harris 25. So as we get into the show here, I am uh, glad to bring to you somebody that you may or may not know. Either way, I think you're going to enjoy our conversation today. Uh, without further ado, the one and only Neil Laramore. How you doing, man? Hey, Jimmy. How you doing, man? Good. First and foremost, longtime friend. But Neil and I share a lot of different uh, things, including radio and mobile DJ work. And uh, we actually, I guess, first met at the stations here. Is that right? I don't think we met as a DJ before the radios. Is that right? Uh, I think that's correct, yeah, uh, because at the time, I was working over at WFIL and uh, WZZD yep. over on uh, 990, and I was doing a morning show with Michael J, and uh, Michael ended up leaving, and you came in, and uh, you and I were doing mornings for a little while, Yep. and uh, you know, that's kind of where it all started, and I was just like, oh, you mobile DJ? I mobile DJ, and we just <laughs> kind of started networking, and uh, boy, it's been a... 25, 28-year friendship, which blows my mind. It really is crazy. Among other things, uh, you're, I guess, a Roxborough guy, and part of our music, uh, after we left the radio station back in our single days, we would go and uh, go to the Roxborough McDonald's, and then we'd go to Pat's Music and stock up on the latest CDs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good old Pat. Back when CDs were a thing, right? You yeah. Know, we just- we go spend hundreds of dollars at a uh, at a place under the what was it under the K and A? Yep. In Frankfurt. Yep. Yeah, those were the days, man. <laughs> really were. It was a, <laughs> a lot of fun, and the reason that you came to mind, and it really probably should take more than the passing of Regis Philbin for me to call you, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a, nice job, Timmy. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> yep. It's all, it's all you. I'm ashamed to say. Uh, but, of course, <laughs> he passed away recently, age 88, would have been 89 in August. And uh, and you had a uh, an encounter with him, so to speak. Uh, and actually, there's an overlapping story from the DJ side of things. But you were on the program that he began. I, I think he was the original host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah, 
Yes, correct. I was on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in November 1999, back when they were still trying to figure out whether they wanted to make a real big go of it over at uh, ABC. And uh, they had an August series back in 99. And then uh, they said, well, that kind of worked. So they put a November series together. And um, at the very end of the November series, I remember I was living in Plymouth meeting at the time. I was in my office. And uh, they said, hey, we're adding three more shows to this series. Um, and, you know, go and call this 1-800 number and see if you can come join us. So I ended up calling, and I'll be darned if uh, I didn't, you know, get through. And long story short, I was actually DJing at the Holiday Inn in Fort Washington. Yes. And um, I got a call at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wait, wait. Well, I'm skipping a couple steps, but that's when I knew that I was going to go to New York. Yes. At 1 o'clock in the morning, by 2, by 2 a.m., I had travel uh, arrangements to get up to New York. Uh, and by 7 o'clock that morning, uh, me and the fam were <laughs> in the car and headed up uh, that day. And I ended wow. up being the final contestant on that November series. That's crazy. Folks just tuning in, uh, it's Tim DeMoschel and WFIL and longtime friend Neil Larimore, who actually used to work at the station years ago. Uh, our guest, and he came to mind recently because, of course, Regis Philbin passed away recently and uh, was the original host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And I remember that night you were DJing at the Holiday Inn in Fort Washington, which is another story altogether. But back then, I had just finished a wedding, and you know when you DJ a wedding, sometimes you're all up and you still have this nervous energy, you're like you're still awake. So I stopped by, see how it's going, and that's when you said, dude, guess what just happened? I remember you, right. you had just gotten the call that you, you got through and qualified, which... Back at the time, I think, if I remember correctly, it was kind of open to anybody to give it a shot. It was open to whoever wanted to call in and see if they can get through. And you happen to know enough stuff to get through. Yeah, go figure. It only it only just so happened that it was uh, a whole bunch of us respectable white guys would end up uh, getting into the chair, you know, because we're geeks, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Um, but at the time, what you had to do is you had to call a 800 number, and they asked you, uh, back then they had these uh, what's called the fast finger questions which would be put the following in order from east to west, you know, using the one, two, three, and four keys on your phone. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. Yeah. And so uh, we had to do three of those on a push phone back when we used to have, like, push or dial phones, I guess. Right, right. And then after that, you got to a computer. A computer randomly picked, like, 500 people. Okay. Um, and then you get to do five more of those on the phone. And then based on speed and accuracy, the top 12 went up to New York. Ten sat in the chairs, and there were two alternates. So for the show that I was on, I want to say that they said 600,000 people tried that first round. Uh, I made it through, got through to that 500 random pick, and then next thing you know, I'm up there. And it was a bit of a surreal experience. I'll bet it was. Neil Larimore, my guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today. Quick break. We'll keep our conversation rolling on WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. AM560WFIL.com and on the app, 
You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Don't forget, WFIL's back-to-school sweepstakes in motion. You can win $2,500 in cash to help with back-to-school expenses, whatever they may be for you and whatever your school looks like this fall. Also, another $2,500 for your school. Pretty cool deal. You can enter every day between now and the 31st of this month, and there are bonus entry opportunities, too. It's the back-to-school sweepstakes at WFIL.com. Speaking of cash, we're chatting with Neil Larimore, longtime friend, and among other things, he participated in the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire uh, show some years back. Before the break, mentioned qualifying Friday night, quick turnaround, had to head up to New York City the next morning with your wife and young daughter. How'd things go from there? So yeah, I showed up and I got to New York and it was that night, that afternoon that we did the taping. And the hotel we were in was not very far from uh, the studios. And turns out I brought up the wrong shirts and things like that. And they weren't going to work well on camera. So we had basically a camera test with the uh, clothes that we brought. And they're like, nope. And I was like, um, uh-oh. And so I found a, a men's warehouse across the street from the hotel and basically got in there, spent more money on shirts and ties than I ever did in my entire life up to that point, and finally got, you know, the uh, the colors and, and everything. So that was a big old stress. So I'm already all hyped up because if you know me at all, Timmy, you know that I am not a calm person in general. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 amp, I amp up. I'm always revving. Right. So then uh, eventually got to the studios. Now, at the time... Uh, my daughter was 10 months old, so she couldn't be in the studio audience because she couldn't be under 18. So my wife and my daughter, they went up to my father-in-law's on Long Island. And, of course, the thought is, well, what's the chances that Neil's going to get into the hot seat, let alone be successful enough to, you know, need somebody in the audience, right? Right. So they go over to my father-in-law's, and I sit down, and they are taping three shows that day. And my show was the last, and we were waiting around for hours and hours. They kept us separated from the other shows and the other contestants. They were very mindful of the appearance of impropriety, which dated all the way back to the quiz show scandal back in, what, the 50s? Yeah, interesting. So the producers, they were always making sure that we were doing what we had to do and where we were supposed to be, and we weren't, you know, wandering around and talking to people and everything like that. So uh, eventually we get an opportunity to go into the fast finger chairs. And at the time, it was the hot seat where you answered most of the questions uh, if you got to sit next to Rebus. And uh, before that, you had to get into that chair by battling against your other contestants in a fast finger question. And again, the fast finger question would be, put the following four presidential burial places in order from east to west. Yeah. And you would have to go A, B, C, D, D, C, D, A, whatever that order was. So I tanked the first couple of those practices. And then, like, the last three, I began beating everybody. And I'm like, huh, I could do this. So, <laughs> okay. How so, many contestants are there at that point? Is It's 12 you are competing with to practice? Yeah, or? so I was one of 10 who qualified, and then there were two others in case, you know. Uh, you got a headache. <laughs> I guess in, in case one of us dropped dead or something. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> So the 10 of you so, are practicing, you're competing off camera for the ability to be on camera. Is that correct? Yeah, because they wanted us to have a fair equivalent opportunity to win at those questions. So they let us kind of get used to the equipment. Okay. So that was what those, that's what, what those five uh, demos were. Okay. And like I said, I, I was like dead last or my fingers were slipping off of them in the, on the first two. And then the, the last three, I beat everybody else. Like, boom, boom, boom. 
So I was like, that's interesting. And then we went back over, we got dressed, and it was our turn to go. Uh, we go into the studio when it was our turn for our show. And uh, the inside joke, it was studios are very cold. The, the inside joke is that we called it Who Wants to Be a Refrigerator? <laughs> and um, <laughs> then they had a contestant who was coming over from the previous show, uh, a, a woman named Lauren Kellner. And Lauren finished her spot, and then it was our turn in the fast finger uh, chairs. I made it through. And I got into the hot seat, and that's when uh, Regis and I officially met. I'm trying to remember the program from before because it was a long time ago, but I remember watching. Did people see a number of contestants competing to be in the hot seat, or was it only the hot seat part that people would see on TV? No, they would show you. When they started the new show, uh, you know, Regis would say, okay, we have 10 new contestants you know, trying to get into our hot seat, okay. and here they are. And they, they, they do a little roll call on the 10 chairs. And then uh, that's when they go into the fast finger question. Okay, so for your show, because you mentioned a little while ago, there were two other shows being taped that day, and yours was the third of the three, all separate. Uh, what was supposed to happen in each of those tapings? Was it supposed to be just their own individual, whatever that is, that's a full show? Or were they, the three shows supposed to eventually overlap based on who won or whatever? What happened is that it was based on time. You know, when you're doing a radio show and you're doing an interview, when you run out of time, out of or time. you come up to a break, you oh. want to hold, hold over, right? Or you're or, or you're done with the interview, right? So the way they did it is that they would try to um, uh, fit it on the one show. But let's say uh, the contestant was only at a fifteen thousand dollar question or a thirty two thousand dollar question, they couldn't edit it quite right. Yeah. Then they would go ahead and uh, and extend it into the next program. Okay. All right, folks, just tuning in. Neil Laramore is checking in. He's a longtime friend. Used to work at WFIL and our sister station. Then it was WZZD nine ninety AM. Now it's Philadelphia's AM nine ninety. The answer. So when you got to be in your show in the hot seat, you qualified then out of the other ten. You go from 600,000 to a much smaller group that went to qualify. Then you're in the final 10, and now you're actually competing on the program and make it to Regis's side. And again, folks, you know, Regis just passed away recently at age 88, did all the other programs too besides Millionaire, but he was the original host uh, in the early years. So what was it like getting in the seat, and how prepared were you to meet him and to know what was going on so you could actually focus on hopefully winning some dough? You know what? I, I thought it was a miracle that I got into the seat, let alone was able to qualify to go up to New York to begin with. So I really didn't have an expectation of winning anything or of even getting into the hot seat. Because, uh, you know, one thing I've learned in my 50 years on this earth is no expectations, no disappointments, right? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so I really didn't think about it. And, you know, when you go into the studio, there's only about 200 people there. So you're not really thinking about the 59 million other people who are watching at the time. Hmm. And so I get into the hot seat and I sit down and there's really no interaction with Regis at the time. My interaction with Regis that I had ended up being really when I was on the champion series a little bit later, which I can get more into. Okay. But, uh, so the producers were always in your ear and I think they were afraid of contestants talking too much to Regis. So that was kind of interesting to me. And during the breaks, he would go off backstage because there was a teleprompter that he would kind of go over his scripting, and then he'd come back in, a little bit of small talk. So, how you doing? Hey, you're from uh, Pennsylvania, huh? Where's, where's Plymouth meeting? Outside Philly? Oh, yeah, I love Philly. That type of thing. <laughs> okay. And then you get back into it. And he was very nice, you know, and very warm. And, uh, you know, again, it was very uh, limited, the interaction that we had. But he was as you would expect him to be. If you ever watched Regis with Kathy Lee or you saw a millionaire prior, Regis was Regis. 
right? Yeah. And then it was just show business and timing and getting down to, to the program. Um, interesting fact is when I got started, I began working up the various number of questions. Uh, when I hit 32000 which at the time was a plateau question, if you win your $32,000 question, at least you go home with the 32000 Yeah. So <laughs> I ended up hitting my $32,000 question, wasn't 100% sure on it, and my phone a friend that I used was actually the morning show host of WZZD when I first got there, a guy named Daryl Carlo. Really? You, you called Daryl? Yeah, Daryl was my phone a friend. Uh, he was doing a talk show in Nashville at the time. Okay, uh, but I but I used him. So you know the world just got a little bit smaller. Wow did you did you know uh, Do you remember the question at the time? What I, what it was about? Or oh, oh no. well, I'm sure you do. But I mean, what was it? I guess is what. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my question for thirty two thousand, and it was it was ridiculous because everyone knows the answer to this, but I began second guessing myself. Yeah. In terms of land mass, what is the largest state of the United States? Largest and state. I, I asked for clarification. I said, is it uh, contiguous 48 or all 50 states? He said all 50 states. And the choices were uh, Colorado, California, Alaska, or Texas. Okay. And everybody knows it's Alaska. Yeah. Everybody knows it's Alaska. Just, just ask them, right? Um, right. But, but still. Uh, at the time, I don't know why. I said Alaska, and I don't know why, but in my head, I was like, well, it might be Texas. Yeah. And yeah, they're so all big. I began doubting myself, and it was a plateau question, so I just wanted to make sure I didn't screw it up. Yeah, that makes sense, because 32000 or nothing, is a, there's a big big fall right there if you don't. <laughs> yeah. So was that your first I, of two? Because remember, at the time, the game for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire had two different things, like eliminate half the answers. Another one was phone a friend. Was there, and was there a third thing? I can't remember. Poll the audience, I think. Yeah, it was. It was ask the audience. I used that on my very first question. Okay. And that question was, in the hands Christian Anderson tale, wasn't the emperor aware during the parade? Okay. Well, nothing. Yeah. And, well, correct. I didn't know it. I've never read the story. <laughs> but believe me, I have, I have about eight copies of it now. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. So you had used, at the 32,000 level, had you used everything, all your tools at that point, or the phone a friend and the ask the audience? Did you still have to eliminate two answers? Had you used that one yet? I still... Yeah, I still had the 50-50 left, and I used that on the next question, my $64,000 question, which was, what does a viticulturalist grow? A what? A viticulturalist, V-I-T-I culturalist. Viticulturalist, I don't know. The choices were like pears, apples, grapes, and oranges, and I ended up doing the 50-50 because I had no clue, Ooh. and uh, I did a random guess off of that for grapes, and I was correct. Neil Laramore is my guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today. He came to mind when Regis Philbin passed away recently because, Neil, who used to work here at the radio station, actually, was once upon a time on the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire show when Regis Philbin was the host. We'll hear more about what happened in just a moment. It's the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in. Forecast calling for a low of 70 with clear skies eventually tonight. Wind and rain in spots still. Some sun in other areas, depending where you're at, as the uh, tropical storm and the the bad weather rolls through. A lot of sun tomorrow. High of 88. Phil's lost 6-3 to the Yankees last night. They're off tonight due to post... uh, The game is postponed due to the anticipated bad weather. They're home tomorrow uh, for a doubleheader. Yankees actually the home team tomorrow in Philadelphia making up tonight's game, and then the Phillies will be the home team 
for the second game tomorrow. Uh, Sixers in basketball, 132-130 over San Antonio last night. Joel Embiid, 27 points. Tobias Harris, 25. Having fun today. Memory lean for me. And uh, interesting on a number of fronts. Regis Philbin, of course, passed away. Not sure if you heard, but I, I think folks may know that by now. A little over a week ago, a week and a half ago. And when that happened, an old friend of mine popped to mind. His name is Neil Laramore, joining me today because uh, Neil actually used to work here. We also used to DJ weddings together. We know each other very well, but haven't seen each other quite some time. But the reason I called Neil and thought of him was because he was on one of the original Who Wants to Be a Millionaire shows with Regis Philbin when Regis was the host, since he was the original host for a few years back in the beginning. And um, anyhow, so part of our conversation today, aside from the fact that Neil grew up here and there's other touch points, if you will, is his appearance on, on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So we're hearing the story about how things unfolded. And I guess before the break, you were talking about uh, getting to 32,000 and then 64,000. Take it from there. So 64 to 125, uh, which president of the United States was the only bachelor. And that was James Buchanan um, out of uh, Pennsylvania. Of course, I knew that one. Um, And then 250. So then they go to break, right? (laughs) They go to break. And I was reasonably calm thinking, all right, whatever. And then as soon as they go to break, Cameron's like, I'm clear. And all of a sudden, I'm like trembling. Because I think it's like all the excitement and stress kind of began to hit me at that point, you know? Yeah. And and then we come back. It's like three, two, one. And and somewhere, somehow, like I'm able to control myself so, you know, America doesn't watch me just (laughs) quiver to death. Yeah. And uh, we go to the $250,000 question. And that question was, in Greek mythology... Who was destined to an eternity of rolling a boulder up a hill? The choices were Apollo, Prometheus, Sisyphus, or somebody else who was not the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So just to paint a picture here, folks just tuning in, Neil Laramore is joining us. He's a former WFIL alum and 990 WZZD at the time and a former fellow DJ. We both have DJed many weddings and parties over the years. And uh, he qualified in the early years for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which came to mind because of the re- recent passing of Regis Philbin. So I gave Neil a call, and that's why he's kind of sharing his experience. You're at $125,000. You have this question about Greek mythology, and you have to decide whether to go ahead and answer it and walk away with one and a quarter or try to go to 250. I mean, is that correct? You have that choice? After you hear the question, you yeah. can decide whether to go with it or not? Correct. If I try and I get it wrong, I leave with 32,000. If I decide to walk away, I leave with 125. Or if I risk it, I could get up to 250. Okay, so that was the parameter. But you could have stopped right there and says, I'm not big on my Greek, whatever. I'm taking the buck and a quarter and heading out. You could have done that. I could have, but. Yeah, that would have been boring. Okay. TV. So. <laughs> oh, so you did it for the audience. You did it for the people. I do. You know what? I was going for ratings. And, uh, <laughs> no. no, I was able to process the elimination. And so I ended up uh, kind of going through it. I felt about 90% sure that it was Sisyphus. Closed my eyes and uh, it said a little prayer. And I was right. And so I ended up getting to 250. And, and the crowd just kind of goes bonkers. Um, they go to break again. And when they go to break, a producer comes in my ear. She just kind of walks up to me. She goes, just so you know, you're the fifth person in U.S. television history to make 250000 or long or, or more uh, on television. No and I was like, way. wow. 
That's pretty cool. No way. So did now, and of course, you're trying to process all this stuff. That new new environment. You got Regis Philbin there. You got cameras. You got lights. You got an audience. People. It's freezing in there because the temperature is apparently cold. And did you have any idea how long? Because the next step from 250. Would it uh, the would five hundred then a million? Is that the, the remaining two steps potentially? Correct. Okay. And do you know if there's enough time for that? Like, do you know if you had they they were going to give you that time if you wanted to keep going, or did you feel like do I have enough time? And like, because that could feel pressure too. I didn't even think about that. Basically, they told us ahead of time. Michael Davies came down. He was the executive producer. He came down uh, ahead of the show. And he goes, take as long as you need in thinking about the answers to the questions. We'll edit. Okay. And so I didn't really think about the timing. And frankly, that wasn't my concern. That's their job. Yeah. So I just kind of, you know, kept doing my thing. Um, okay. And in the background, I didn't realize what was going on is that earlier I mentioned that my wife and daughter were on Long Island at my father-in-law's house. Right. Well, right. I get into the chair. They call my wife. They go, Neil's in the hot seat. So stay by your phone. She's like, okay. And then as I begin going up and up and up in value, all of a sudden they're like, um, you get down to Manhattan. You're doing really well. <laughs> well, now, my father-in-law, he, he could drive pretty aggressively if he wanted to. But if you've ever driven on the Belt or the LIE uh, in the afternoon or early evening on Long Island, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. So they got into the car, and they were trying to get down to Manhattan as best they could. They're stuck in traffic. So the producer ended up holding the phone up to the speaker so my wife could hear me on the show. And then, you know, cue back into the studio. We come back, and it's time for my $500,000 question. Neil Laramore, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, uh, longtime friend and uh, in many ways. He used to work at the radio station WFIL and our sister station WZZD, which at the time was a Christian music station, now a conservative news talk. And uh, we both did, you know, DJed weddings and parties for many years. And um, with the recent passing of Regis Philbin, I was reminded that Neil participated in one of the very earliest versions of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire when Regis was the host. He was the original host, I think, from 99 to 2002, among all the other stuff that he did in his lifetime. So I thought, let's give a call and, and uh, reconnect and then hear the story, because I never actually heard the whole story. I just kind of heard the end result. So you're at 250000 and you get to hear the $500,000 question if you want. And if not, right. uh, you don't want to do it, then you can just walk out with two fifty. If you're wrong, then you fall back to 32000 But at least you know you're getting 32000 So those were your, your options. It's a different stratosphere, though. From one twenty-five to thirty-two, you sounded like, you know, let, I, I still want to do it. At two fifty versus thirty-two, what's going through your mind? Oh, well, I mean, you know, you, you have to begin thinking a little bit more logically. Before it was, oh, yeah. it's just, thing, I don't know if you, re- I don't know if you remember this, but, yeah. but 32000 was basically a year's salary for us at back at back then. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so true. You know, I was not hurting at 32. I was like, oh, that'd be great. But then you do begin hitting that point where you're like, man, I got to begin thinking a little differently here because if I'm too risky, if I don't play this right. I mean, that's four years of salary, perhaps, that, I, that I'm missing out on. Yeah. So the uh, $500,000 question was revealed. The question is, which of the following actors never portrayed Jesus Christ in the movies? Huh, really? And the choices were Max von Fiedel, Willem Dafoe, Jeffrey Hunter, or Charlton Heston. I'm going to guess Heston. And, 
Right, because everybody guesses Heston because they go, well, he was Moses. He wouldn't be Jesus. But he was. And of course, you, but no, you would be correct. Oh, oh. And you would have you, you won 500000 Me, however, the first thing I'm thinking is, well, I'm sure at some point Heston played Jesus. Yeah, you're right, so, sure. Uh, at the time, I believe the Last Temptation of Christ had already come through the movies. So Willem Dafoe, I knew. The other two, I had no idea. So I, I only knew one of the three. Turns out, I think Max von Sydow was in the uh, the greatest story ever told. Jeffrey Hunter was Christ in the robe. The foe, Last Temptation. But Charlton Heston never played Jesus. And he would have been my guess as to having played Jesus. So... Uh, I would have been wrong, and I would have lost a lot of money. I decided to walk with 250. Yeah, and to be fair, I'm throwing that out because I'm thinking Devil's Advocate, knowing knowing Heston's other roles, uh, and thinking they probably throw that in there as a red herring. Uh, and so, but I have nothing at stake. I'm not sweating. I'm not, no money's on the line for me. So, <laughs> if I'm you, yeah. 250 thousand dollars versus 32, that is a huge difference. And so, so you are like. And you had no more uh, ways of, of finding out, right? No eliminations or anything like that. You had to just decide on your own at that point. Yeah, I was done. I wasn't going to lose $218,000. That would have been irresponsible of me and dumb. So, uh, <laughs> so I walked away with 250 and uh, all of the contestants from my show, we got together that night at the hotel. And it was a nice night. And I stayed friends for a long time with uh, all of those folks. It's an amazing story. Neil Larimore, we uh, used to work together here at WFIL many years ago, and among other things, he wound up going on and being a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? We're hearing a bit of that story. This prompted by the passing of Regis Philbin recently, and uh, some other things, too, though. I think I'm glad I'm having Neil on today. So it's a bit of a trip down memory lane for me. Local guy. We used to DJ weddings together, so there's some other connection points, too. We'll keep our conversation going in just a moment. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local, it's The Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. My friend Neil Larimore used to work here at the radio station. We were fellow DJs and uh, weddings and parties and things like that. A lot of other intersection points Uh, on the program today, prompted by the passing of Regis Philbin recently, because Neil himself was on the program, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? One of the many things that Regis Philbin did in his professional lifetime. And so you win the quarter million dollars Tell us more, you know, more to the story, other touch points or other uh, other interesting facts about where, you know, where things went from there. So there are two really cool Philadelphia things here. Okay. And then we can talk Regis a little bit more because, honestly, that first time I was there, not a lot of interaction with them, but I had interaction with them afterwards. Okay. So before we move on, two things I found out. In all the promos and they were curating me and everything, trying to see where I guess my picture was popular or whatever. Yeah. And for some reason, Seattle loved me. I can't figure it out. But I ended up getting a phone call from the marketing director for ABC Networks at the time. This is Alan Cohen. And he's like, Neil, I guess you want to wonder why we have you in every single promo. And I'm like, sure. Why? <laughs> 
And turns out, I went to Plymouth White Marsh High School, right around the corner from the uh, the WFIL studios there. Right. And it turns out that Alan Cohen, who's the marketing director, grew up in a neighborhood next to mine, and we're about 15 years apart. But he's like, I look at you, he's like, I know exactly where you're from. He goes, you're a neighborhood kid to me, so I'm going to promote the heck out of you. Oh, wow. And so... <laughs> That's really cool. So, yeah, so, so he went to PW, I think he graduated maybe maybe 15 years before I did. But it's strange how, you know, everything ties together in some way. Yeah, and so he was, you're talking promote your appearance forthcoming or, or, or in, before and or after as far as your, you being on the show? No, it was, it was all after. And at the time, that was really when Millionaire had peaked. In fact, it was funny, you asked about the timing of the shows. After I was done, there was another contestant who took the chair after me. He ended up winning 125000 I think his name was Brad and he was out of Texas, but they cut him entirely. Huh, really? Yeah, he still got paid, yeah. but they decided to end with me. That was a weird note. He wasn't shaking like you were. That's see, you made for good TV. Oh, I shook for one <laughs> one break, and it wasn't even it wasn't even on TV. I would shake if I had two hundred fifty thousand dollars coming my way. I you know sh- shake and joy, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> And this is another, just a side note, because you're thinking logically, I think a lot of folks would do what you did, decide I'm not going to risk going up to five if I'm not really that sure. But also, how did your wife feel after the, I mean, I'm sure she's very excited, but did she agree? Like, <laughs> she, How do you think? Well, did she agree like 250? I'm so glad you didn't go. Like, was she listening and was able to hear, I hope it doesn't do it, I hope it doesn't do it, or, or what was that like? Yeah. She was listening on the phone. Again, they had the phone up to the speaker so she could hear it while they're trying to drive from Long Island onto Manhattan. Boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but again, we, we just kind of viewed this. As, if worst comes to worst, it's a free trip to Manhattan. Yeah. And if best comes to best, I have a million dollars. So she was very supportive of the decision. And, you know, she didn't like smack me around because why didn't you try for <laughs> 500? Because you know what would have happened if I tried for 500 and I lost 218,000? Oh, boy. And she would have been like, why did you try for 500? So, you yeah. know, it would have been a no-win situation, and I think she would. Well, and it's, it's a neat thing. Folks, just tune in, chat with Neil Larimore. used to work here at the radio station at WFIL, our sister station at the time, 990 WZZD, which was a Christian music station. Now it's conservative news talk. And just a, a quick side note here, or, or interesting uh, detour, is the fact that you did, you know, have some life choices to make after winning a quarter million dollars and thinking through, uh, despite the fact that you had DJed weddings for many years and were very good at it, I think not too long after you decided to kind of put that aside and focus more on another love that had been emerging uh, along the way, which was your love of radio, right? Is that kind of accurate? Yeah. Well, look, when I was growing up, I can tell you back in like 1973, 74, I got my first AM radio when I was like three years old and we used to be in my bedroom. And I remember being that little and getting out of bed at night and turning on the radio and just kind of tuning about four years old, five years old, tuning the AM. Hmm. And back then, WFIL and WNTP, uh, 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 you know, The Answer, right. they were completely different radio stations. I mean, there was a massive radio battle back in those days between Whiffle, Wibbage, and Whip. Right, right, right. WIP, then the WIBG, and WFIL. And I remember tuning to those stations and finding music that I really enjoyed, I remember always stopping on when I would tune it in would be Stevie Wonder's for Duke. And oh, I love that song. So I always so I always had a love of radio. I was always drawn to it. And DJing was just a thing. I started in high school around 87, and I did it until about 2002. And for me, it was 
uh, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. I had started my own company. I was working four or five gigs a week. You know what that's like. You yeah. Know? And oh, then yeah. at that point, I had two kids. I had a, uh, a radio job. Because uh, was it about 2000? After I left WZZD, I took some time off, and then I ended up going back to News Talk 96.5 FM WWDB, right, which no longer exists. And so uh, I stayed in News Talk Radio after that, and I've had a great opportunity to move and live in a lot of different areas. Um, I went from Philadelphia to Dayton, Ohio, where I really uh, earned my talk radio bones. Then I spent eight years programming KMBZ in Kansas City and then came out to Phoenix, Arizona, where I was program director for KFYI. And then uh, spent a couple years in Providence, Rhode Island at WPRO. And then most recently just came back to uh, Phoenix and beginning to kind of take some life changes and uh, decide what the second act is for me. But I moved back to Phoenix, Arizona. It's a place I absolutely love, and it's like nowhere else. And, you know, Philly will always be my home and where my soul is, but I really like Arizona for now. So I'm going to try to set down some roots here and uh, see where life takes me. you just tuning in, chatting with Neil Laramore, longtime friend who has had quite an interesting story. We've overlapped lives for many years and have DJed weddings together and worked together WFIL and our sister station, then WZZD 990 on the AM dial. Uh, and uh, we're taking some time to hear the story and some interesting stuff for sure, as Neil won a quarter million dollars on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back in the early days when Regis Philbin was the host. And uh, Regis, of course, passing away a week or two ago. So that's part of the uh, impetus for Neil joining the program. We're covering a lot of ground. Hope you're enjoying listening in. We'll have the podcast on our homepage in a little bit. In the meantime, one final break. We'll come back and wrap things up on the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for listening in today. And do feel free if you uh, have a chance to let a friend know about the program. We greatly appreciate that. Back with more in just a moment on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Neil Laramore, kind enough to hang out for the hour. Good friend of mine from many years ago, used to work together on WFIL and at the time, 990 WZZD, which was a Christian music station back then. Now it's still our sister station, but a conservative news talk format, Philadelphia's AM 990, The Answer. And the morning host for that program, Chris Stegall, joins us every now and again on this program. And I understand another intersection point for us is that you have familiarity with Chris because he came to Philly from Kansas City, where you spent some of your radio career. Yeah, Chris, I think he's actually from Liberty, Missouri. And he ended up doing mornings on KCMO. And uh, at the time, that was our chief competitor in Kansas City. And, you know, I knew that Chris had talent. You can hear it. You know, you knew that at the time he needed some refinement, but boy, it was there. It just had to kind of be drawn out of him. And he used that time very wisely in, in honing his craft, deciding what kind of host he was going to be, how he was going to massage topics. And he got a great opportunity at another Philadelphia radio station where he was for a while. Yeah. And when he ended up leaving for Philadelphia, at the time, I was really kind of hoping to try to see if I could bring him over to BZ in some capacity, but it just never happened. But, you know, Chris and I have had lunch a couple times prior, and when he ended up working with you guys, I'm with you. I'm just like, wow, world is small, man. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, and it's a small business. It's a small industry that we work in where, especially in these formats, everybody knows one another in some way, especially when you put in the amount of time that you and I have. Yeah. So, 
Make sure Chris knows that I said hi. And I, I will. I will. And, you know, when the Chiefs, of course, won the Super Bowl, he was rather excited, although he's lived in Philly for 10 years or so now. You being a Philly guy, but spending a number of years in Kansas City, must have felt good to you know see the Chiefs win as well, especially with the Andy Reid connection. Oh, absolutely. Well, look, I, I, when I got to Kansas City, Dick Vermeil was the coach. And, oh, wow. You know, what, <laughs> what's not to like, right? So, sure. So I will always bleed green preferably Kelly Green over Midnight Green, but I understand. Yes. And Chiefs, uh, you know, I spent enough time there, and there's enough uh, connection for me to really enjoy being Chiefs. In fact, I, uh, my first Eagles game I ever went to was at Arrowhead Stadium against the Chiefs with my dad and my son. Hmm. And uh, it was a great experience. Eagles won. And I think, you know, what I tell everybody is that the Eagles are, you know, I big green, but I'll let the Chiefs be my AFC team. However, if they ever face each other in the Super Bowl, I got to go Eagles. All right. Whew. I was one, I was a little nervous there for a second. <laughs> no. Well, and to be fair, because, of course, the Eagles won the Super Bowl not long ago either, uh, it, it appears that wherever you go for radio, pro football success isn't far behind. So I'm just wondering if you think a Super Bowl might be in, in for the Arizona Cardinals in, in the near future. You, you know, you, well, you, know, <laughs> you, you can, know, Kyler Murray is a great quarterback. You know, a lot of growth to do. Uh, it's to take a while for him to get up to Wentz or Mahomes, I think, but you never know. See, what I will tell you yeah. is that if you are looking for immediate success out of any Cardinals or Phoenix organization, yeah. you're going to be waiting for a long, long time. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking for you personally, you could maybe at least think about another profession is playing that card of being a free agent fan that you bring, <laughs> bring winning ways wherever you go and let people bid up on you. You know? Yeah, man, I got, a, I got a record. You have a pretty good resume. So, <laughs> well, it's, it's been great chatting with you, and I, it would be wonderful, of course, but to start all this, uh, folks just tuning in now, you can grab the podcast after the program at WFIL.com. Regis Philbin, of course, passing away recently, age 88, uh, live with Regis and Kathy Lee, later with Kelly, and uh, was the original host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He's actually season one host of America's Got Talent, before all those kinds of shows were blowing up, too. But my friend Neil, who's on the program here, we DJed together, we worked together at this radio station uh, years back. I thought right away, I was like, you know, I need to talk to Neil because he won a quarter million dollars on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and I, I never really heard the full story. And so it's been wonderful listening and hearing that the, all the, the sweaty palms and the the, uh, the exciting <laughs> moments that, you know along the way, the decisions in your head and stuff like that. But you did get a chance to meet Regis later. I guess you said it in the Champions Tour. Or how did that go? Yeah, so, you know, let's not forget the reason we're talking today is because of, because of Regis. I mean, and he was, you know, you can make caricatures about Regis and you can go off of uh, the stereotype that Regis might have created for himself. But here's what I'll tell you about my experience. I've had three experiences with him. Okay. One, honestly, was when I was hosting on WZZD 990 with Michael J. We actually had him on, and he was one of my first radio interviews. Really? And I don't think he can, re I don't think he can remember our names, because he had just put a book out, and he kept calling us babes. Hey, babes. <laughs> He's calling um, you and Michael J. babes? <laughs> yeah. That's hey, funny. babe, how you doing? Good talking to you, babe. So, um, so, of course, I come off of that going, uh, yeah, I was just like, all right, whatever. But, you know, I got to talk to him. That was cool. And then the first experience with Millionaire and the second experience with Millionaire were very different in that the second time I was on was with the Champion Series, and they did it a little bit differently where I was about to go on stage, but they kind of staged you behind the scenes before it's your turn. And I was sitting in a chair where he had his teleprompter, and I guess they went to break, 
and he came up to me. He just kind of came backstage, and he's like looking at me, and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm in his chair. So I, I stood up, and he goes, Neil, how you doing? And I'm like, holy cow, he remembers my name. I'm like, you remember my name? He goes, of course I did. You were one of my favorite contestants. Wow. He goes, how you know? He, how's your daughter doing? And he asked me if I got the car I was interested in getting, if I won a lot of money, and you know all that. And he was super nice. I don't know how he remembered me, but he did. Hmm. And he busted on me because I was working in radio. And I guess he had a little radio history in his background, too, like a lot of those guys did back then. Yeah. So he busted on me. He was like, oh, you're still in radio, making no money. And I'm like, yup. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so I busted on him for being, what, 20 years with Kathy Lee at the time. I'm like, you really don't like her that much, do you? He's like, shut up. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a nice rapport. He was, we were laughing with each other, and he was a super, super nice guy. And I was shocked with how well he remembered me, and I was touched by the fact that he did. So great memories of him from that experience. And the third thing is that he used to refer to me on his uh, morning show with Kathy Lee a bunch. Like, he would talk about his favorite contestants, and he'd bring up my name. Really? So I would, I would get a call from my mom, Regis is talking about you again. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, so, you know, from that perspective, there's a lot of people who say a lot of great things about Regis. And I think, you know, when you get to be as successful as he was, there are a lot of great things about you, but there's also some things that maybe, you know, people look sideways at you about. Yeah. I could tell you that my experience with him was a very positive, warm, likable, friendly experience. I got nothing but great thoughts about him, and I, you know, even though, you know, he was just a player in it all, I thank him for his generosity that he showed toward me. And, you know, I was genuinely saddened. It was a gut punch to see that he had passed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's a great story. It's really been fun catching up with you and in hearing and we've touched on a lot of things but it's it's neat to see woven throughout you know all the different personality things even you said earlier about being all revved up and all charged up all the time like that's the neil i know haven't seen you for a long time but i know whenever you're around i, I don't have to have any coffee it'll just i'll get swept up in the whoosh so <laughs> my favorite my one my one of my remembrances of you on a completely unrelated note, one of the, the catchphrases you used to use was so simple, even a child of three could do it. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember saying that? I do. Yes. Do you still say yeah. it? Um, well, I, I don't say it as much as I used to, but I think it's changed because when I, uh, I began, you know, working in talk radio as a program director, I would tell my host, talk to everybody like they're three years old. So I think maybe there was a modification to that. But, yeah, <laughs> so simple. A child of three can do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Neil, it's great <laughs> to hear your voice, man. And uh, next time you are in Philly, let's go to D'Alessandro's or something. Oh, we got to. Got to hit the Roxborough, baby. Yeah, no, <laughs> no question. It'd be great seeing you. And it's great talking to you. Please tell uh, Tina and uh, the family and everybody over at FIL who still might be there that I said hi and I send my love. Absolutely will do. Thanks so much, my friend. Have a great rest of your day. Me too. Talk soon, Timmy. All right, bye-bye. It's Neil Larimore on the Tim DeMoss Show. Had a lot of fun this hour. Hope you enjoyed listening in. You can grab the podcast, by the way, in just a bit on our homepage at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening in. Have a wonderful evening. Look forward to doing it again tomorrow. Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.